0: When I talk about it, I'm excited because I think there are a lot of people out there like me that are are more daunted by knocking on doors, but, you know, this is some, or phone banking, but this is definitely something that a lot of people can do.
1: Welcome to How We Win, All over
2: the country, people are doing extraordinary things. We're giving you the tools that you need to make a difference
1: right now. We don't agonize, we organize. We've won some battles, but we still have a lot of work to do.
2: Today, our show is graced by the lovely and talented actor Keiko Agena. You probably know her work on Gilmore Girls, Prodigal Son, and lots more, but you may not know that she's a super volunteer and activist who can't stop, won't stop using her voice to help us protect our democracy.
1: And we are also graced by the equally lovely Scott (laughs) Foreman, the founder and force behind Vote Forward. Scott checks in with us to let us know why we all need to write letters to Virginia voters on this day, World Letter Writing Day. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Mariah Craven. And this is is How We Win. Lots going on this week. A lot of really scary situations for our listeners, I would uh, assume, all over the country right now who are dealing with the ongoing effects of climate change, uh, including Mm -hmm. Hurricane Ida and fires in Lake Tahoe. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about it, um, but we're going to try to keep it brief because we have not one, but two great interviews coming up with Keiko and with Scott all talking about writing letters and other stuff too, of course. But um, today's all about letters.
2: Yeah, jam-packed episode with um, lots of action items. But um, before we get to that, you know, we always talk about first the things that motivate us to get into action. The big news of the day, of course, is that the longest U.S.-involved war in our history Mm -hmm. um, has ended. The U.S. has completely militarily left Afghanistan.
1: That's right. 20 years later, we have officially ended the war in Afghanistan. And um, I have a a lot of conflicting feelings about it because there are still, um, you know, a few hundred Americans left there. And there are thousands and thousands of uh, Afghan citizens who are now under Taliban- Rule so it's 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 tough to leave those people behind and see them under threat. On the other hand, uh, there's a big part of me that is so relieved to put an end to what seemed like an endless war and conflict in Afghanistan. So. I am extremely, profoundly grateful to all the men and women who served and, uh, and made the lives mm-hmm. of the people in Afghanistan better over the last 20 years, who gave opportunity to women and children over the last 20 years that didn't have it before. And, and now we're watching um, some scary developments there, and we'll continue to watch it and hopefully get those people out safely.
2: Yeah, I think that conflicted feeling is what a lot of of folks out there are probably feeling. I'm sure there are a lot of military families that are relieved and uh, a lot that are grieving um, because there was a lot of of life lost there. And, you know, I think we, to your point, there are people still there. And I think that we have a, a moral obligation to help them by any means necessary. And I think that we have elected a president and an administration that understands that and 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 is driven by that moral obligation in a way that um previous the previous administration <laughs> wasn't um polar and so, opposite
1: leading with compassion not with self-interest
2: right. and so you know as um upsetting as, as the last as seeing what the last couple months there have looked like I, I am hopeful that they'll They'll be able to to get continue to get um, folks out. Yeah, we will we will see. The other big news story that we're tracking is of course, um, Ida, um, Hurricane Ida when when it made landfall. Now a, a tropical storm working its way north, and I know everybody's been following the news about this. And in th- these these are in these moments, we always have to say that the destruction that we're seeing and how long it's going to take to recover is just so emblematic of how for too long infrastructure and climate change have not been our urgent priorities. Same with the wildfires out in California.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, the the Republicans who want to uh, stop any kind of environmental legislation regulations, which I prefer to call protections, um, and cry about the cost of converting to clean energy and, and all of that are not only morally wrong, but uh, you know they're just wrong financially too. The enormous cost of, of all of these storms, as you said, and fires to rebuild and everything, dwarfs what it would uh, to invest in energy sources that would actually help heal our planet and um, so uh I guess uh, to summarize, Republicans are dumb.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know, and, and I think this is one of the things that this has made this Hurricane Ida has made me think about is after Hurricane Katrina 16 years ago, mm-hmm. I to the um, day it
1: hit landfall. Yeah,
2: which is crazy bizarre. I um I shot a documentary in the New Orleans area about how like average everyday people were finding unique ways to to rebuild the community, which was, you know, as, as everybody remembers, just so devastated. And um, one of the groups of people that I followed was um, this group of like, high school and college students that were replanting uh, like water plants in the in the coastal areas. Mm. um, Because when the oil companies had originally been in there, they left these massive sort of troughs, of, of water that used to be vegetation. And that's why the storm surge there in part is so bad. Right. You know, the the storms are problematic, but where you really run into issues is with this, the surge of water that comes after and the storm. And the
1: flooding. And we're certainly and seeing that in uh, Louisiana and New Orleans right now.
2: Absolutely. And so these kids were moving the plants from one part of the swamp to another to fill in the holes that were left behind by the oil industry. And, uh, this to me is emblematic of what we as a country too often do. We create these problems and we leave it to the kids to fix it. Mm. And we don't give them the support or resources that they need. And a lot has been improved since Katrina and things aren't as bad because of that, but we just do this too much. And like these, these kids planting by hand. And, you know, uh, anyway. Yeah,
1: no, you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, you look to the great organization, the Sunrise Movement and the kids Mm -hmm. who fuel that. Um, We should all be that passionate about our environment, about protecting our planet, about protecting our children's future. And that... um, I'm going to say we as humans, some uh, are better than others. Uh, again, I think Republicans uh, really fall short on this more so than Democrats do. But uh, but all of us uh, are falling short when it comes to really looking at the future of our children and protecting it and standing up for them. Um, we don't do it enough. They they are amazing. The the Sunrise Movement and other kids who advocate for the environment who step up for their own future are. Absolutely inspiring and amazing, uh, but it's uh, it's just de- deplorable. Can I say that? I feel like I can't use the word deplorable anymore. <laughs> it's deplorable that we don't it all is. step up in, uh, in in an even bigger way for them. A very appropriate word.
2: <laughs> um, let's let's talk about some good people. Let's talk about the hero of the week.
1: My Hero of the Week goes out to MSNBC correspondent Shaquille Brewster, who uh, was covering the hurricane outside of New Orleans and um, was accosted by a random passerby, insisting that he cover Hurricane Ida accurately. The reason I wanted to highlight uh, Shaquille Brewster as our hero of the week is uh, is really an acknowledgement of um, I know that we sometimes criticize the mainstream media, rightfully so, for mm-hmm. being fixated on stories and not reporting things in depth or not reporting stuff that you know we would like them to see more of i.e. The, the resistance, the persistence, the people who are on the ground doing good things. They always like the dirty laundry. That includes MSNBC and CNN and the networks that I watch a lot of. But, um, you know, this hyper, like crazy climate that we're in right now with people losing their mind. This guy actually was driving by while uh, Shaquille was giving a report. And by the way, it always seems kind of silly to me that um, reporters like find a really windy, dangerous-looking spot and report from hurricanes there. Um, But they do it for good reason. The reason they they do that is because they want people to see how serious and how dangerous the storm is. They want to report it so that people who are maybe thinking about ah oh, maybe it's not a big deal can see with their own eyes in context how how dangerous it is. So number one, he was putting himself in danger. Uh, by reporting from that location and then this guy comes veering off the road pulls over comes running up to him gets in his face and literally assaults him as they uh, cut away from camera Uh, and he's okay he's doing fine but I just wanted to you know prop him up as our hero of the week because the work that journalists have to do right now is um, is even more dangerous and precarious than ever and um, uh, so I wanted to give him props for that.
2: Yeah, that was a, a really scary looking um, video, and he handled it really uh, gracefully and and, con- and continued to report, which is re- it's really hard to talk when somebody's screaming at you.
1: <laughs> he, uh, he hung in there for a little bit. Then he's like, you know, I'm going to go ahead and just like kick yeah. it back to you because there's this guy. And then he like rushed him and, and got right in, put in his face. It was bizarre. People. So, uh, great, great. Yeah,
2: check out that video and uh, so support your local journalists.
1: <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> and now it's time for our reasons for
1: hope. What's your reason for hope this week?
2: Um, my reason for hope is we know that Vice President Kamala Harris made her first big international trip to, to Asia last week and it didn't get a lot of coverage because of what was going on in Afghanistan, but it went really well. And mm. it's getting, you know, as people are sort of, um, you know, looking, looking back now that I guess we've, we've had a little breathing room, people are very impressed with her s- sort of diplomacy um, meeting with these uh, leaders in Asia, bringing up, important issues like human rights, Mm -hmm. LGBTQ rights, women's rights, and then also just reinforcing the idea that in spite of what was happening in Afghanistan, the U S is still focused on Asia, still strong partners to Asia and still sees the importance of not just partnering with countries in Asia, but holding them accountable as well. China. Yeah. Um, so, uh, She's had a little bit of a rough vice presidency so far, um, and <laughs> I know I, she I,
1: would. I mean, of, of you know, of you, course, strong, smart black woman, a vice president is going to be held to an impossible standard.
2: Exactly, exactly. And so, um, to see foreign policy experts lauding this trip and and seeing how how well it went, um, it's to your point about you know coverage of it. I think the biggest coverage was there was um an episode of of Havana syndrome that they were concerned about on the trip. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what got the coverage, but the praise that she got from the leaders that she met with did not. So we're going to highlight it here.
1: There we go. So um, uh, yeah, I, I gave props to the mainstream media. You're slamming them. So uh, it all balances out.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Constructive criticism. Yes,
1: Very, very (laughs) well-earned criticism and fairly given. Um,
2: Uh, what's, what's your reason for hope this week?
1: Uh, My reason for hope is uh, the ongoing revelations brought forth by the January 6th investigation. Uh, There was some political reporting on uh, Jim Jordan having Mm -hmm. had, uh, you know, a couple of conversations with Trump uh, that he doesn't seem to remember or be able to articulate or when or how or that he talked to him all the time or whatever. Jim Jordan, uh, giant uh, asshat. Um, But uh, he... Uh, did apparently have a conversation with Trump while he was, uh, you know, on lockdown with Representative Matt Gates, also giant asshat, uh, where they mm. implored him to call down his, you know, call off his supporters. And so these revelations are starting to come out because the January sixth commission is requesting phone records and communications, and really working to to get to the bottom of, of what happened behind the scenes. And uh, and we cannot let what happened on January sixth become yesterday's news. It mm. needs to be ever present because yes. you know when you see someone running off the street to assault a reporter like Shaquille Brewster, when you see the rhetoric that's out there. Um, um, it's scary, you know. We're we're still at a, a at a very dangerous tipping point in our country, and we uh, and we can't let what happened with this insurrection go uninvestigated. And, and we need to shine a light on all of that. And I and I see that happening. Like we want it to happen yesterday. We want it to happen quicker than it is, but it's happening. The truth is coming out. How we deal with it and how it's dealt with by these, you know. People who will never believe that Trump did anything wrong ever is another Mm. story, but we'll get there. Um, the, the truth will come out.
2: Amen. Um, so shameless plug, um, Steve and I guest hosted the Daily Beans podcast on Tuesday, and we do a, a little bit of a dive into this Politico investigation that he's mentioned. So, you know, you might want to bosey on over there and listen to <laughs> Tuesday's episode. And if you are coming to How We Win from the Daily Beans, welcome. We're so happy to have you. And hey. As pro- hey. <laughs> as promised, we have some action items for you here on How We Win.
1: That's right. Let's talk about this week's to-do list. For this week, um, it's all about letters. It is World Letter Writing Day, and we are taking advantage of that to encourage you to sign up at Vote Forward and write letters to voters in Virginia. That Virginia election is coming quickly, and we need to make sure that we hold on to that trifecta. Uh, we don't need to get too much into it right now because, as we said, we have two great interviews coming up, both with Keiko and with Scott Foreman from Vote Forward, to, um, to talk about letters and, and how easy it is and how effective it is to write these. But um, we'll put a link to it on our show page, swingleft.org podcast, of course. That's where you find all of our links and action items. And um, let's all participate in World Letter Writing Day.
2: When was the last time you got a letter?
1: Hmm. You don't remember,
2: and that means that if you were to get one, you would open it. So I this got is some s-
1: birthday cards back in May.
2: Uh huh. Uh huh. But an actual letter.
1: You know, that's nobody
2: th- writes letters anymore. This is a, such a great way to get people's attention,
1: especially young people. Believe it or mm-hmm. not, in this age of texting and DMing and and all of that. Love getting an actual letter with like someone's handwriting on the envelope. It's like, what is this? I I saw a movie set in the 80s that had these, <laughs> you know, I just sound old. I'm being condescending and old, but still my point is valid.
2: Uh, very valid. So, um, and then our other to-do uh, item this week is if you are in California and you are eligible to vote, make sure that you Vote no on question one in the, what did we call it on the Daily Beans? The bullshit Republican recall
1: attack. That's right. Yep.
2: And then mail your ballot back in. And if you are not a voter in California or if you've already voted in California, uh, we have some chances for you to call voters and educate them on the fact that their ballots are probably in their mailboxes and they haven't gotten them yet.
1: Help them out. Make sure they open that ballot. It's no and go. Get that ballot returned right away. And um, look, if you are not in California and you need one reason to help make sure that Gavin Newsom uh, remains our governor and isn't usurped by exploiting this uh, recall system we have, which we'll get into another day that we need to reform, but um, it's that if Larry Elder... Who is the GOP frontrunner, mm. should the recall go forward, is our governor. And, you know, God forbid something happens oh to God. 88-year-old Dianne Feinstein, our California senator, then surely Mitch McConnell would find himself with his leader gavel back in his grimy little tortoise hand. So um, – Oh, what an image. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So we can't let that happen. We don't want that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to see that. All right. So we're all supporting uh, and participating in keeping Gavin Newsom, governor of California. Before you do that, though, we've got a, a really fun interview that I can't wait for everybody to hear.
1: Keiko Agena is an actress known for her work on shows like Gilmore Girls, Better Call Saul, Prodigal Son, and many others. She's also a champion for democracy and consistently uses her voice and platform to lift up important causes and campaigns, including our work at Swing Left and Vote Forward. Keiko, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us.
0: I am so happy to be here, Steve. Thank you for having me and thank you for all the work that you do and Swing Left does and this podcast. It's great.
1: Thank you. You're great. You're a bright ray of sunshine and activism in like a really dark time. Every time I see you come on and do like a training for Vote Forward or or, or jump in, it it makes me feel good because this work is serious, but you really have a gift for helping make it fun too.
0: Oh, thank you. Yes. Uh, it's the training as an actor, all the nerves and horror is under the surface and then (laughs) on the top of it. I'm like, how do we find the bright spot and the smile within, within all of it? But, but thank you. Yeah. I, I, I think I need it for myself also that to, to find, uh, to find the positive way forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's why I started doing – well, one of the reasons why I started doing this work, what I found in doing this work is um, this community of people are actually like great, fun people because yeah. there is uh, – there's something to just taking action and being part of the solution that lightens that burden of, of the crazy news cycle.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Well, um, as I said, you're very active with your platform Um and advocating for issues that are important to you. Uh, have you always done that? When was the first time you got involved as a volunteer or or started working on some kind of campaign?
0: Uh, you know, I have to admit, I, uh, was a bit late to the party. I think I was like a lot of Americans that were just kind of ho humming their way through life until it seemed like, uh, the world started to fall apart at a certain point. And, uh, uh yes. So basically um the man who shall not be named um kind of inspired <laughs> me to get active in a way that uh seemed seemed that, that had to feel more concrete than theoretical, I think it right. is is what it just became. So it was it was around that time where I started to get a little bit more involved.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm, yeah. I'm i consider myself class of November 2016.
0: Oh, okay. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> I'm part of that class part of that class as well.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, it must have been interesting there. We we were divided there. Um, obviously, you're going out on a limb more than a lot of people are as a celebrity when you use your voice and social media platform. And not all celebrities choose to do that, which is fine. You know, people make their own choices. It was hard then. It even seems harder now. I mean, when we have, you know, QAnon conspiracies about, uh, you know, us in Hollywood drinking babies' blood and you've mm-hmm. got um, anti-vaxxers who are instead injecting themselves with horse deworming uh, medicine. I mean, I'm not making this up. This is literally yeah. what people believe and have been doing. Has it been uh, more challenging or difficult for you to use your voice on social media and elsewhere?
0: Well, I have a philosophy that works for me. I don't know if it works for everyone, but... Um, sort of in the same way that we were talking about of of keeping positive is I keep my uh, feed very positive on both Instagram and Twitter. So I will give my opinion, give my passion, um, give my support uh, uh, to, to those causes that I feel are most important. And if someone has a rebuttal against that, what I always try to do is to see where they're coming from. For instance, the last time that I, um, uh, stated something that was, um, uh, pro vaccination, there was someone who made a comment about, um, the struggles of if you have, um, medical repercussions because of getting the vaccine and you don't have insurance. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot in that, in that statement that you know initially you might want to respond to but i think the thing that i chose to respond to is the fact that this person either themselves or the people that they know don't have insurance or don't have adequate insurance Mm. and i think that if i can always respond to that part of of a person's concern that that's always going to be um productive because that's a truth that we share. We have a concern that is a concern that we share. And I think that over time, that that has been helpful within my social media feed because it's kind of self-selecting. If I'm not going to argue back, then people who like to argue aren't <laughs> going to necessarily, you know, um, they get bored because I'm not um, engaging in that way, I think. So that philosophy, this is a long answer to your question, but th- that philosophy. No, it's a podcast. I love long answers. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a great philosophy. Finding that commonality first of all is uh um, increasingly harder to do, but um, but really important still. I think to look for. I love the reframing of that particular example too. Of oh, well, we've got to get you health insurance. You know, yeah. um, you know, not just the obvious that if you got COVID, you would be devastated with hospital bills as well. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, which is which
0: is true, <laughs> but uh, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. But to start to, to... Because the other thing I thought about the the, the strange and interesting thing about social media and, and any of these ways that we're trying to reach out to people and convince people is that in all of my time on social media, the only times that I've seen people really flip from one opinion to the other, and it's been few,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, is when there's there has been kindness or a, a, at least an attempt to reach out to find some kind of common ground. Um, other than that, I only see arguments or I see people uh, tune out where they they are part of an argument and then they just leave. And it's possible that you could consider that a win, but I don't necessarily personally consider a person, your opponent leaving a conversation as being a win. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't find that Personally, I don't find this satisfying.
1: That's really interesting. That reminds me of something, and I think it was about four years ago uh, that was pretty well publicized about Sarah Silverman, who got a really hateful, uh, vulgar tweet and followed it up with, as you're saying, with love, actually like asking, like saying, I'm so sorry that you would respond to me that way. What's going on in your life? And got into this exchange with this guy who was, yeah. uh, had been addicted to opioids because of his back pain and all that. And she got him hooked up with a doctor to take care of his back. I mean, it became this yeah. whole thing. It was really beautiful exchange actually that, that really flipped that script. So I don't yeah, have I the patient that for that. Story.
0: That sounds great. <laughs> I'll, I'll look, I'll look out for that.
1: Yeah, he, I, I think it was a pretty simple t- uh, <laughs> respond to her tweet that uh, was just basically "you're a see you next Tuesday." That was <laughs> that was that was kind of all he said, and she just took it down a completely different direction. So, um, anyway, uh, well. Um, let's talk about, I had the pleasures we talked about before we started recording of working with you on a video that you so generously gave your time and talent for, for swing left in the last midterms about phone banking. You did that with my good friend, Matt Lesher, um, Another actor, and and we mentioned that you've been a celebrity trainer trainer for Vote Forward and helping out with some big letter writing parties that we did. Uh, what drew you to Swing Left and and uh, specifically to Vote Forward too? Because we're we're focused on writing letters right now. Uh, what drew you to that campaign?
0: Uh, well, Swing Left. It's interesting because um, I believe I just started following uh, Swing Left on, on the social, me- on their social media platforms or your social media platforms. Mm. And I think, um, because I was supportive of them, I, I, I got contacted. And so I, I then, then I, then I came in and then that
1: sounds like us <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's good. It's good because there are certain things that, um, I mean, I admit it, I'm a reluctant person too, you know, and, mm. and it takes a, it takes a little bit of, um, cajoling to, to feel my own confidence. I mean, sometimes it's just a not not feeling like I uh, have the confidence to do a phone bag or to to go and knock on doors. You know, it takes a little bit of uh, you know a little bit of wiggling. But through Swing Left and the people that I met there, when I actually went down and you know um, would do a, a couple of recordings, the energy there makes you feel like you can do it, and you meet people who are doing it, and and um, and so that was my experience with Swing Left which was great. And then vote forward. Um, this is just my deal. I, I find that to be the, the best way for me to, to contribute because, um, I, I like that type of thing. I'm, um, I'm, I, I feel very comfortable being in my home yeah. and being able to, and to do, cause I know some people are more extroverted. I'm, I'm a little bit of an introvert sometimes a lot of times. Yeah, and so I like that. I can spend an hour, I can spend two hours, and do this thing that's meditative and like a, a like a good wish out to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, that is uh, that is the right ener- right thing energetically for me to do. And so uh, I'm I, I so when I talk about it, I'm excited because I think there are a lot of people out there like me that are, are more daunted by knocking on doors, but you know this is something or phone banking. But this is definitely something that a lot of people can do.
1: For sure. Yeah, you're definitely not not alone. It's been very, very popular for that same reason, because not everyone is comfortable stepping out and talking to a stranger, whether it's, you know, knocking on doors or or on the phone. I think that's interesting though. I mean, you're, uh, uh, you know, my wife's an actor, so I I get the sort of like introverted extrovert kind of thing, but you also are, are a very talented improviser. You do a lot of improv work. Um, so you're, you're used to going out on a ledge, right. And putting yourself out there, but, but you still consider yourself an introvert.
0: Yes. And that's why I have so much, um, respect for the people that go, that do that, like I have training in this and I still am nervous <laughs> to go out and, and make phone calls and knock on doors. So, you know, more power to them.
1: <laughs> well, you've definitely <laughs> uh, yes-ended your way into Swing Left in, <laughs> nice. in the work yes. we've done. So see what I Absolutely. did. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you, uh, speaking of your work as an actor, do you have any uh, fun projects coming up or anything that you can, I don't know if you're allowed to talk about anything, but what's what's up for you right now?
0: Well, the one thing that I'm working on right now, I can't get into detail yet because we're still in the process of of pitching it. Mm -hmm. But um, regardless of how it ends up, the process for me of writing something for myself where I would be the lead in that project and to feel some positive response to that idea has in itself been... um, a game changer for me and my confidence. And I think that it says something about the times that we're in now that I don't think that I would have the same response five years ago. And so Mm. that makes me feel good about, uh, 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 of where we, we are in the entertainment business. We have a long way to go, but, but it's, it's better than it was.
1: Well, I'm intrigued. That was a good cliffhanger. I can't wait where, where I can hear more specifics about that. Oh, good.
0: Well, I hope I hope <laughs> I can give you more specifics. I hope. Uh, well, e- actually, that's not true. At some point, I will be whether it goes or it doesn't. I will be able to talk
1: it. <laughs> It'll I- either be like, here's what I'm doing or yes. womp, womp. This is what I exactly. wanted to do. <laughs> right.
0: Exactly. We're like, well, this was the idea. And, uh, you know, et cetera. At some
1: point. Well, that's exciting. We'll look forward to that.
0: Thank
1: you. Um, let me ask you one more question um, that we finish up all of our interviews with. And you are, as I said, a bright ray of sunshine in this dark time. So I know <laughs> you'll have a great answer to this. Uh, what brings you the most hope for our future right now?
0: You know, I, I think it was what we were talking about a little bit of of the connections that you make with people
1: mm.
0: because the people that I meet that are willing to to go outside of their comfort zone um and and have fun and laugh and complain a little bit when it gets hard sure. um that's what that's what gives me gives me hope um because I think the more people that I meet that are are, are doing this um Encourages me to uh, to to believe in my own my own abilities, um, which for me has been has been part of this journey also.
1: I love that. I relate to that so deeply because that's I I didn't know when I jumped in and first started doing the work as I said, like you, class of November two thousand sixteen, <laughs> uh, the impact that one person can have and, and certainly someone like you we really appreciate who has a larger platform like we all want to make an impact right and you have the ability to reach more people than most people do but we all have the ability to reach out to our circle to reach out to our friends and it's yeah. like ripples on a pond and, and that's what I've found in this work so yeah, yeah. Um, so I love that and, and I'm grateful for you and, and calling out all other celebrities just as a warning it's true <laughs> If you retweet or mention something about a swing left tweet, you may get a, a DM. We might jump into your DMs <laughs> to try to recruit you. Um, and
0: it'll be worth it, and you'll never regret it. That's what I have
1: to say. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that endorsement. Um, Keiko, thank you so much for joining us and for all you do. Um, I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Steve. Scott Foreman is the founder and force behind Vote Forward, an organization whose mission is to empower grassroots volunteers to encourage their fellow citizens in underrepresented communities to vote. They do this by making it easy for anybody to make an impact on our democracy right from their living room by writing letters. Scott, welcome back to
3: How We Win. Thank you so much. It's great to be here again.
2: So uh, it's been a while since you were last here. Uh, you've got one of our favorite stories in political activism. And for those who haven't heard it, can you talk about what you were doing before you started Vote Forward and then how you got started writing letters?
3: Sure. Yeah. So um, just to to recap the the origin story for Vote (laughs) Forward, um, Mm -hmm. my uh, background is mostly in um, software development. I'm kind of a product manager by trade. And most of my professional experience was at... um, this company called opower where we used behavioral science and direct mail and software to try to influence people to reduce their energy consumption and we're able to show using a bunch of randomized trials that that is very effective Mm -hmm. and uh i had been nursing for a long time the hypothesis that we might be able to use similar kinds of tactics to influence civic behaviors like voting Mm -hmm. and um, like most people i was uh Pretty um, alarmed and concerned about the state of our country, and you know the years after 2016. Um, and so, uh, back in uh, I guess late 2017, I ran this sort of guerrilla experiment from my kitchen table, where I wrote a thousand letters to voters in Alabama to just test out the idea and see if there was any uh, any anything promising here. Mm. Um, and uh, a few months after, was able to demonstrate that that very first experiment was quite successful in boosting voter turnout. And um, it's been growing ever since. Um, so it's really uh, a confluence of some relevant experience. And then the thing that I really uh, like to encourage folks to do is to just do stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. There's nothing stopping you from, uh, from being active and, and testing things out. Um, and we've tried to bring that spirit to the Vote forward, project uh, along the
1: way. Yeah, I I love that, and uh, and your hypothesis uh, has you know worked out. I mean, you've been very successful. You've had a few successful election cycles under your belt now. Uh, and letter writing has now cemented itself as, as a proven tactic for turning out voters. So you specifically are literally a big part of how we win, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I did? Yes,
3: bringing it back to the, the title, Always bringing it back to us. <laughs> Always bringing it back to us. Yeah, it
1: doesn't matter. Um, but, <laughs> but back to you. Um, over the last four years and the success you've had, you know, what has surprised you the most about the work, and, and how has it evolved over the last four years?
3: Well, what surprised me really was how fast it grew. So um, if you think about a thousand letters in 2017, a million letters in 2018, and then almost 20 million letters in yeah. twenty the 2020 cycle, wow. um, that's a, a factor of uh, 2000, I guess, over a couple of years, which is uh, exponential growth that I've never experienced in anything I've ever done before. I mean, I think that's a testament to just how deeply a lot of people have been looking for the answer to the question that is the title of this podcast, which is, "How do we win?" And well done, do we, sir.
1: Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you. No, Following follow your lead,
3: bring, bringing it back to back to the uh, uh, the basics. Um, but yeah, people, there was a just a huge appetite for actions that are proven to be effective. And um, I was surprised by that um, and gratified. Um, I've also been pleased and surprised, I will say this year, by how much energy there still is. So we were pretty worried after the Biden win um, Mm -hmm. last year that it would take the wind out of the sails of a lot of volunteer activity and that people would be a little bit complacent or maybe just tired, which is understandable, Totally, but we haven't really seen that. Um, Mm -hmm. We've seen a lot of volunteers continue to be very active this year, um, trying to both help vote forward, test out new concepts, new experiments that will hopefully inform our work in 2022. And also just trying to win in Virginia, um, which is what our biggest campaign of the year is all about. And we've seen, um, a great deal of enthusiasm for that project, which has been really great to see.
2: That's fantastic, and I, you know, I think one of the exciting things, as we've seen, um, you know, as you're talking about during the, the time period, so many new volunteers, so many now experienced volunteers. Um, they're super savvy, and so being able to say, "Oh, your time is well spent, your money's well spent, because this works," and here's how we know, is just huge. Um, So for those folks, they should know that today is World Letter Writing Day. And like you said, the Virginia election is fast approaching. We've got some lofty goals to reach out to voters in the Commonwealth. Put us to work. How should we be engaging right now?
3: Yeah. Well, so um, I imagine if you're listening, you may have done this before, but you haven't. um, The website is VoteFWD.org, or you can just Google Vote Forward and it will come right up um when you sign up we ask uh, a few questions to make sure that you are a human being and that your uh, intentions are in the right place um it's pretty fast and then within a day or so you'll be approved uh to start as we say adopting voters um and what you'll be uh assigned is as few as just five voters in virginia who we believe based on the statistical models that we have access to are relatively unlikely to vote but if they do vote are quite likely to vote for democrats and this Mm -hmm. is specifically on the partisan side of our work once you adopt those voters the system will produce a pdf for you that you can print out that has a template Um, all you have to do is fill in your as personal as possible and as heartfelt as possible story about why you the sender of the letter really believe that voting is important Um, You stamp it, you address it, and you wait until the mail date to put it in the mail. Um, That last bit is important because there's pretty good evidence that the timing matters a lot. And so we Mm. wanna get these things out as close to the election as possible without missing it. Um, We still have, I think about 500,000 voters who need to be adopted um, in these campaigns. So there's a lot of work still to do. So yeah, if you haven't done this before, you are very welcome to and we would, would love to have your help.
1: You are not just welcome to, you are required to if you listen to this <laughs> podcast. I got to jump right. in right now. Thank you. You can say it. I heard uh-huh. 500,000 voters to reach. I mean, that's a lot of letters to write. So let's It's a, it's a lot. Yeah. You
2: know what? I heard I heard 5 letters. And I can, do, I can write five letters. A thousand letters <laughs> makes my hand cramp. Yes. Five letters, I can do that.
3: I don't expect anybody to do what I did back in <laughs> 2017. But five takes, you know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. That I think is a pretty reasonable um, thing to ask of people. And um, it's also more fun than you might think. So yeah. one of the things we noticed over the last couple of years is that it became a kind of social activity. So if you're looking for something to do, with your kids, maybe, to get them excited about our democracy and participating in it, this is a great option. Um, that's actually something we're thinking about for next year's developing a more formal program to encourage kids to participate, because I think it's really powerful. Um, I love that.
1: Yeah. yeah. I can vouch for it. Mariah and I have done some letter writing parties and mm-hmm. uh, um, we've written uh, letters in our home, too. And it's so Easy. Of, of course, this was uh, a very popular activity, uh, bearing in mind the coronavirus and the people were at home and it was a safe way to engage. It still remains that. So uh, let's take advantage of World uh, Letter Writing Day, everybody. And Scott, I know we're going to have you back um, pretty soon in a few weeks to talk about some exciting new data that you can't talk about yet. Anything you can tease out about your next appearance or or mum's a word?
3: I'll just say that um, what you said is accurate. Um, We have been working for a number of months, including with some external partners to help validate that what we're doing is rigorous um, to try to understand what effect we had in 2020. And uh, I know a lot of people have been anxiously waiting to hear uh, what we have to say about this. Um, I thank you for your patience if you're one of those people. (laughs) Um, It is a giant project and it is complicated, Sure. Um, but we're getting pretty close to um, being able to share what we've learned. And so we're excited to do that in September and we'll be back in a few weeks to talk about it here.
2: Can't wait to hear about it. We'll talk to you then.
3: Awesome, all right, thank you both. It's great to see you. Thank you
2: so
1: much, Scott. Thanks,
3: Scott.
2: for joining us today. This is how we win. We win when we all get involved and stay engaged.
1: How are you staying engaged this year? We want to hear from you. Tweet to us at Bluesboy Steve and at Mariah underscore Craven or send us an email at podcast at swingleft.org.
2: Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple or wherever you get your pods. And let everyone know you're listening. Share our show on social media. Check out our page at org slash podcast. And of course, sign up to volunteer.
1: We really appreciate you joining us today and every Wednesday. And we'll be back with some more next week.